Welcome to Product by Design with Kyle and Eva, a podcast about product management and product design, where we'll talk about subjects from product strategy to inclusive design. Every episode, we just have a good conversation about all the things that you may already know or not know, and occasionally we'll have a guest from maybe engineering or other product managers and designers to talk about all these topics. All right, welcome back to another episode of Product by Design. Long weekend, so <laughs> I am free. <laughs> everyone, everyone is free. <laughs> it's great. That's right. Yeah. Recording on a Friday, going into a long weekend—that's a good feeling, right? Yeah, and and the thing is, outside, so it feels like oh, we can actually go outside and do stuff, and it doesn't feel like we're burning in hell. <laughs> Not only that, too, but I was looking at the weather. It's supposed to heat up over the weekend, but then it drops no. down. It drops down into like really good temperatures after that. Tuesday drops into like the high of 60. So it gets a little cold, but then it warms up like into the 70s and 80s after that. So we're talking like perfect fall weather going into the next little while, which is just amazing. I've got my fall mugs out and stuff. They've got like leaves on them. Yeah. uh camping and stuff like that so i mean i'm i'm ready yeah it's real (laughs) that is so funny i never thought about like a seasonality for for my drinkware (laughs) oh yeah it's time yeah i guess this is is the time when well i guess this is not a usual year but you start seeing halloween and uh pumpkins and what is that thing called uh thanksgiving thanksgiving Thanksgiving. (laughs) i was gonna say pumpkin spice it's Oh, that too. Um, I, I know people drink, uh, what, what do they call PSL from Starbucks? Yep. <laughs> the pumpkin spice latte. I, I don't like pumpkin, so <laughs> not my thing. And I am sure a lot of people are angry typing, tweeting at me, uh, hearing that I don't like pumpkin. I feel like that's like a very American thing. Like I've never really cared for pumpkin until I moved here and everyone's like, pumpkins. <laughs> I'm like, what? Who eats that? (laughs) Are you a pumpkin fan? I, yes, I would probably have to go with yes, just because it's grew up on them in some way or another. What was that? It comes with a citizenship, right? Yeah. Just like a nostalgia thing. But pumpkin itself doesn't have a lot of like flavor or anything. I mean, it's the spices that go with it that kind of make it any good. Like if you just smell pumpkin by itself it's not like a very pleasant smell and i don't think you'd ever want to just like eat pumpkin <laughs> that's such an offensive comment kyle so many people are so angry right now like what pumpkin's no. the best <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anybody i don't know if anyone would disagree with that i'd be interested now to see i just i don't think there's anything about pumpkin itself that is great pumpkin pie huge fan but it's i mean it's really like the spices and stuff that go into it that make it good so that that is so true i never thought about it i mean i don't really care about pumpkin so don't really think about pumpkin (laughs) but that is so true i never thought about it this way but i guess beans is kind of the same thing like you don't just eat beans no you eat it with stuff it's wow that's such a weird (laughs) way to think about (laughs) thanksgiving now we're basically putting the sideshow like pumpkin but in fact it's pumpkin spice that is the star it is yeah pumpkin seeds are great too like what do you do with that oh you you put again put spice on them and bake them and they are delicious for one and a really great source of like protein so if you want like a straight shot of awesome protein that's pumpkin (laughs) seeds it's a great place any pumpkin farm farmers and distributors out there want to sponsor this podcast where we keep talking about pumpkins and yeah. i i guess oh, oh here's the thing my husband loves pumpkins so there will be some pumpkin paraphernalia from trader joe's showing up here very soon yeah. they have pumpkin pop tarts so i heard that's good i tried <laughs> one bite not really a pumpkin fan so it doesn't really do anything to me but anyone out there that loves uh pumpkins go go try it Trader Joe's. Yeah, I think it's about time they put out all their pumpkin stuff. Try it out. Pumpkin Pop-Tart. It's it's definitely coming. 
And we have, yeah, so we have a pumpkin patch like just down the road from us too. And it is, yeah, we love going there. Like it's just, it's called Pack Farms. So we'll give a shout out to Pack Farms too. (laughs) Sponsor us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you're uh, a joke now, (laughs) it's just like everyone sponsor us. If you're up in the Davis County area, great place to go get some pumpkins, Pack Farms pumpkins out in Farmington. I love this strong contrast of what we were talking about like two, three episodes ago when we were talking about like uh, California burning. That was the last episode, I guess. And then murder hornets. What else? Earthquakes. (laughs) (laughs) And it it feels a lot more calm. Maybe just the peace that comes with fall time. But I do feel like now I have accepted the truth that like, yeah, this is as slow as we go now. So who knows? It's fall. I it, don't everything's it. better about fall. So we just we needed <laughs> to get out of summer. That's. <laughs> uh, let's not jinx it because I do feel like, well, actually fall is pretty short. So and then we enter the never ending winter, six months long <laughs> here in Utah. So it's, I am not excited yeah. for that. It's good for the first little bit. So you, you get the nice holiday season initially, but then you have to settle in for the real slog, which is like January through March and just have to tough it out because there's not much to look forward to other than getting through it and getting into spring. I don't know what happened in my brain just now, but I just fast forward to a couple things that will happen and probably has already happened is that every year in wintertime, I'm more at home and I use a lot more stuff in my house. And I guess that's kind of true starting from the beginning of this pandemic. And I suspect that that is why I've started getting really sensitive towards like the difference between Hulu and Netflix and all these things, because (laughs) I am a lot more like, oh, I'm here doing this one thing versus, oh, I am getting ready to go to work. But now it's just having a lot more dedicated time to interact with these different physical products or software products. I suspect that is the reason, which I think it's probably a big factor, if not all true. But yeah, we we need to, oh, I don't want to talk too much about the Netflix versus Hulu because we still need to record that episode. Lately, after we started talking about it, I see even more. (laughs) (laughs) Please stop me if I ever go into that direction. But Oh, man, it's like at the tip of my tongue. I do really want to say it out loud and scream at the top of my lungs, but let's change topic and okay. go into what we were talking about today. <laughs> okay. Coming soon, Netflix Netflix versus Hulu to be continued. Yeah. Not sponsor us now. <laughs> <laughs> we get HBO Max to sponsor us. <laughs> there we go. One day, one day. Yeah. But today, what are we talking about? Great question. So roadmaps, the thing that so many of us love and hate and probably hate some more, which <laughs> is... Raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do, do you hate or love roadmaps? <laughs> it's a great question. And the answer is yes. <laughs> um, yes, you hate them <laughs> or yes, you love them. I It's, a, it's probably a love-hate relationship because the, I think that there is some good things about them, but they also present some serious difficulties and are maybe misunderstood and misused. And so I think that that's part of the problem often. It's funny that we're talking about it today because it's actually been, there's been a couple articles that have come up recently, even uh, just in the past couple of days, there's been some discussion on Twitter about Roadmaps and C. Todd Lombardo, who wrote a book about roadmaps, asked just yesterday, um, you know, what's the point of roadmaps? Wrong answers only. And so <laughs> there was <laughs> there were some really good responses to that. Yeah, my my response was to to have uh, something large, colorful, full and very specific to put on your walls in your office and to put into presentations. And the more full and specific it is, the more roadmappy it is. Like that was... Roadmappy. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. my my favorite though, um, I'll have to look up uh, who, who put it, uh, but it was uh, to, it was something along the lines of um, to help product managers 
remember the feelings of despair and <laughs> and to not and to not forget that among the other emotions that they're feeling. So that's the point of roadmaps is to make sure that a product manager never forgets uh, those negative emotions, <laughs> which I don't know, that almost hits a little too close to home sometimes. So, and there were a lot of good responses. You can look up that, that thread, anybody who wants to hop onto Twitter and see some of the, the good responses. There were a bunch. Yeah. Link us in the show notes. I really want to see that. That's great. Yeah. But it did bring up some, I think some good points as far as, I mean, most of the responses were, were somewhat humorous around, you know, what roadmaps aren't. But I think that it does bring up the idea that, you know, roadmaps aren't meant to be certain things. It's not meant to be kind of like we were talking about a, a project plan. And it's not meant to be a specific feature list. I said it tongue in cheek that your roadmap is meant to be, you know, full of lots of specifics and features and things like that. But ultimately that's not what it's meant to be. And it's not, yeah, (laughs) what? And it's not meant to be a release plan. Uh, I think that that's another trap that uh, a lot of uh, product managers or other people can fall into is when you think of roadmap, you think of almost a Gantt chart like, artifact where you have lots of timelines and lots of uh, releases and things like that. And that's not what a roadmap, not what a product roadmap is. There's a place for a release plan. There's a place for a project plan. There's a place for all of that, but that's not what a product roadmap is essentially. And that's, yeah, that's where we fall into a lot of problems is mistaking those two things or trying to overlap them in some way because a product roadmap is something very, very different and it's meant to be a higher level. And so when we start to use it like that, when we start to use it like a project plan or a release plan or a Gantt chart with very specific timelines and lots of features and things like that, it starts to lose a lot of its value. That That's where I think the hate relationship of that love-hate relationship starts to come in is because then you start to lose some of the more important value that you can get out of your roadmap. Interesting. So if they're not these things, then what are they and how should, how should product managers use them? So a roadmap, when I think of it, is really fundamentally a strategic document that you use to help deliver on your product vision. So if you kind of think of it in a hierarchy, you have your product vision, which is what you're ultimately trying to achieve. And then you have under that, your strategy, you know, how are we going to achieve that product vision? And then you may have objectives and things like that, that kind of help align your strategy with your vision. And your roadmap is part of that. It's part of your, your strategy. It's part of those objectives in helping to achieve that vision. It's, it's much more higher level and it's much more about ensuring that you're always pushing towards that ultimate strategic vision that you have and making sure that everybody's aligned in that same direction and moving towards the same thing. And so it's, it's not meant to get down to that tactical level of, you know, here's exactly what we're doing. Here's when we're going to release it. It's meant to be much more here are the, and, and we'll probably talk about this in just a second, but here are the higher level things that we're addressing. Here are the problems that we're solving for. And here is why we're doing it. Ultimately, this is the product that we're creating, the value that we're creating for our company and for our users and why we're doing it. And and making sure that everybody's aligned on that path and getting everybody on basically on the same page so that we're moving in the same direction, both from a stakeholder standpoint, from a customer standpoint, from a team standpoint. Once we do that, I think that that's really where a roadmap can be powerful and not getting us kind of into that project plan or release plan or, or Gantt chart style planning, which again has its place, but that's not when we, when we're talking about roadmaps, that's not what a roadmap is for. So would you say, would you say that, um, cause when I hear release plans, that sounds like almost more engineering specific or kind of like, this is literally what we're shipping, but it doesn't necessarily paint the bigger picture that a roadmap can paint. 
Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Um, you know, a roadmap. So if we think about, I think that a roadmap has a couple purposes and I, you can probably add to this and it depends on the circumstances that you're in as a, a product team or as a company. But for me, some of the purposes of the roadmap would be conveying uh, the vision of the product. So what is it that we're trying to do and why are we trying to do it? I, I would say another one is uh, it's a, a tool for communication across the team, across the organization uh, for, you know, potentially for customers and users, if you want to use it in that way. So, you know, it, again, it depends on the business and, and the team and how you're using your roadmap. I don't think that it's always uh, appropriate for very specific customer facing roadmaps. And, and that's kind of an area you want to tread carefully in, uh, but making sure that you have the right communication strategy for the right audiences. And so mm -hmm. using your roadmap in that way, especially when you're talking about what are the problems that we're solving? What is it that we're we're doing, why are we doing it? And here's again, going back to that vision, here's the vision that we have for the product and how each of these things is helping us achieve that. Uh, I think that a roadmap is also a great tool for discussion. So especially when we're talking about our team, stakeholders, even users, making it a you know part of either a prioritization process or just a general discussion, it's something that you can utilize both in the communication and to facilitate a lot of the discussion that's happening. So I think it's a great tool for that. And then ultimately in getting the alignment that you need in order to make it happen. So that's kind of the last thing that I think of just generally speaking is making sure that you have that right alignment. I think that a roadmap mm -hmm. is a critical part of that. Uh, because if you don't have alignment across the business, across your product team or teams, then you're not going to be able to ultimately deliver on that product vision that you have. And so having that roadmap, having everybody understand what it is you're doing, why you're doing it really helps with the alignment of uh, an organization, of a, a company, of a, of a team. And so I think a roadmap is a critical part of that. And so again, it's keeping it higher level so that, uh, you know, everybody can understand here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. And we'll probably, and we'll talk j j a little bit more about, you know, what does some of that higher, what are some of those higher level components, but it helps align everybody in the same direction, not necessarily around like features, you know, here's the, we're going to do feature X, Y, and not ABC. But here's the things that we're focused on right now versus some of the problems that we're not focused on right now and why we're focused on them. You know, we're focused on, we'll give an example, you know, we're focused on uh, activation and retention. We're not focused on, um, you know, some other issues within the general scope of the product. And so things that may, problems that may fall outside of those main things might not be a main focus of the roadmap right now. And that's okay because, you know, we know what we're doing and we know why we're doing it. And, you know, features or things that fall outside, we know that they're going to be prioritized further down. We know that we're going to be addressing them further down on the roadmap, but we have kind of our main focus for right now. And so that's, it really helps everybody align around kind of some common goals and a common purpose. So that's, that's kind of the main some of the main purposes of, of a roadmap, in my opinion. I, I think that, um, in, in my mind, the way I kind of summarize what you would, what you just said is kind of like a roadmap is not necessarily like a blueprint that depicts all, like you said, features and all these granular components, but it acts more like a compass to, you know, direct everyone, make sure we're all on the same page and using this compass to get us to where we need to go. And I also feel a lot when you, when you mention like, oh, there are things that might not fit into that vision at that time for that, you know, roadmap, but then <laughs> the feeling of like, oh, but this is so, still important. And then, but knowing that we're deprioritizing these things for, you know, a very specific uh, purpose with an actual plans that also <laughs> helps to 
uh, align everybody of why we're doing this now versus later and why we're doing future ABC later. Um, so yeah, I, I, I see the importance of it. And you mentioned there are multiple parties that should be involved in the, you know, uh, process of, of building that roadmaps and to, because we want to get that alignment. Right. And, um, who are some people that you think are ne- super necessary to be involved from the beginning, building a roadmap? And, and yeah, just tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a great question. I think that in creating a roadmap, it's such a collaborative process that it has to, for a product, it has to start with really the, you know, kind of the trifecta of that, the product's leadership group, which, you know, now typically consists of the lead engineer, the product design lead, and the product manager for that product group. And I think that that's kind of the core starting place. As far as roadmaps go, I think that it still fundamentally resides with product management as I think one of the fun sayings is like, if there's going to be a throat to choke, like it's the product manager's throat to choke if it's not done and if it's not done right, but they can't do it alone. And so, you know, I think that that's where it starts. And then they have to get um, quite a few other people involved in order to make sure that there's buy-in and alignment across just numerous other groups. And that, depending on the business, would include, um, you know, other business stakeholders, uh, sales, marketing, you know, in, in depending on the industry, you know, legal and compliance teams, you know, some of the, uh, it's definitely... I, I think some that come to mind immediately would be marketing and sales um, and then, you know, key business stakeholders, just because those will be like the immediate ones who are interested in, you know, what's coming down the pike right now, um, you know, because sales a lot of times will be the ones out selling sometimes features. And so if they're trying to sell or get new clients or customers based on, you know, what are some of the new features coming then you know they're going to be very interested in what is our next set of features when are we going to be able to get them how you know how soon is it going to be and so that's and, and you know that's typically a problem for a product manager and their roadmap because a lot of times things will start to devolve from there into okay now we need to get certain features because sales is asking for it because it will get us this client and that sort of thing and so as most good product managers will know you know, we we don't want to create roadmaps based on that. We don't want to prioritize based on that. And so we need to really understand why you know customers are asking for things and start to prioritize problems and then make sure that our roadmaps are still reflecting the high-level problems that we're trying to solve and are still focused on the the right things for you know the business based on again, going to that vision and strategy and then those main objectives that we're trying to achieve. And so not getting into kind of that spiral of, you know, we need to do this because marketing or sales is is asking for it, but how can we still stay focused on what are the key problems that we need to be solving for? And then keeping it open for, you know, how can we achieve the right outcomes right. based on, you know, what we're Again, what we're trying to to do with not just with our product, but with the roadmap. Yeah, I feel like you just said so many things that kind of uh, that I can translate to other, I guess, principles or disciplines that we we uphold. Like for example, when you were talking about um, taking care of what sales and marketing might need, and then kind of ingesting all these different requirements from all different angles while you're building that roadmap. I feel like on a product team, doesn't matter what your role is, like everybody has to talk to other people and just like <laughs> get, get that alignment. Doesn't matter. I mean, right now we're talking about roadmap and, but I mean, same when we do any, <laughs> I guess when we build a feature, we have to understand all angles. Why do we need to build the way we do, you know, considering how the customer is going to use it and how, you know, what tech limitations we have. It's kind of the same theory of taking in all the requirements. Why are we building this roadmaps and not just the product manager by themselves cranking it out with a closed door. Yep. So I, I think that, yeah, definitely something that, yes, let's all do it together. I really love that. And 
another, <laughs> I don't know why I keep thinking about these different visuals in my head, but I can also see it as like a Thanksgiving dinner menu where you have to take care of everyone's <laughs> uh, needs so that people are not showing up to a meal that is like, wait a minute, why is this happening? You know, like Johnny's vegan. Why is this all meat? <laughs> you know, like sales have different needs than, you know, sometimes design might have, or, or, you know, um, I think that that's very, very, um, a difficult job to do to make sure everybody is taken care of. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I respect all product managers that <laughs> are able to do this. It is a lot of work to keep everyone aligned. This also reminds me of one idea that I learned from uh, a design talk by, uh, what's his name? Matt. I cannot confidently say his last name. <laughs> and that's what I cannot say. It's uh, Strom, S-T-R-O-M. Mm -hmm. It's like Storm, O-R flipped. Um, he, he, he talks about his experience at uh, Bit.ly and he says, said one thing in that talk that, burned into my mind is um, if you bring everyone in from the beginning, when you start building something, then you don't have to get buy-ins at the end. And that's a much easier process than at the end. What if somebody's like, well, that's opposite of what we need. And what do you do? You cannot just scrub it and, and start over. Right. Yep. So I think you, you, you cover all the bases. So that, that was yeah. a great answer. Yeah. And on that same train of thoughts, like, what, um, how do we know when we're building, a, uh, putting the wrong things in the roadmap or how do we, yeah. Is there anything to watch out for during that process of building a roadmap? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So, so there's some, com there's some principles that I like to, to follow. And then there's, I think the components of the roadmap for me, and this is pretty loose. I mean, this is what I found to be the most effective. And I think that there are others out there that are good. I mean, if you Google roadmap, I think most of the things that will come up will look very much like a Gantt chart. And so I think that that's a huge problem. But mm. for me, I think some of the principles, like some of the key principles are to focus on the outcomes that you're trying to achieve. So rather than what are the outputs that you're going to be doing, really try and flip it into what are some of the outcomes that you want either your users to have or your business to have and really keep a focus on that on your roadmap. So it becomes far less about features and mm. the, you know, the things that you're kind of putting out there and much more about what are the outcomes that you're going to be driving. And then you touched on a really good point about the varying uh, different groups that we need to be working with. And man, got so many stories about uh what what you talked about like it's so much easier to bring people in early than it is to try and get uh, them in yeah. later and get buy-in like if it's so true and when you're working with so many different groups like you really need to understand those different audiences because they have different needs and they have different perspectives and so you really need to present your roadmap often in kind of a different way or a different light for various audiences. And so, I mean, that doesn't mean it needs to be like completely different, but you need to kind of understand the perspective that each of those groups is, is coming with and how to speak their language in a way that they understand like, okay, we get it. We get why we're kind of doing things in a certain way. And, you know, if it's sales, you know, why, why aren't we talking about all of the features that we're going to be launching? Well, we're not doing that because if we get bogged down into features, then it becomes much more difficult to back that out into mm -hmm. the outcomes for the, for our clients. And so being able to speak much more to, you know, here's ultimately what they want to do. Here's how we're going to get them there. It may not be with a specific feature. So let's not get them tied down into a specific feature. Let's get them thinking more about what it is they want to achieve and how we can get them there. So, and then really keeping it again, keeping it high level and keeping it up to date, I think is just really critical. Once you start to get down into more of that release plan, feature list, uh, project plan type thing, then it starts to become just much more difficult and much less about, uh, the, the roadmap and the vision and, and the strategy and much more about, you know, here's what we're releasing. So keeping those separate, I think it's just, it's, is really important because your roadmap should be longer term. I mean, we're talking a roadmap of like 
12 to 18 months. And if you think you can plan out like feature releases for 12 to 18 months in advance, <laughs> like you're, you're absolutely crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you've been able to successfully do yeah. that, <laughs> then we need to hear from you because <laughs> come on as a guest, we want to learn. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 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 Maybe you're not crazy. Maybe you're the, you're Maybe absolutely incredible. Yeah. You might, you, you'll <laughs> be, yeah, you'll be the, the guru of, of roadmaps and we'll have to just go and delete this episode and delete everything we knew about roadmaps and planning and forever, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> but, but roadmap is not forever. It can change. Right? Yes, it can. And that kind of is the last point is that a roadmap can and should change and it shouldn't be anything set in stone and it should be updated frequently. And so it should be with that caveat. And so that's, you know, those are some of the principles. And I think like the actual components of a roadmap, this is the way I kind of view roadmaps and as just kind of a rough outline is that it should have like an act as we're, if we're talking very specifically about a roadmap, it should have the, the vision of what you're trying to do. So that should be part of it. It should have like your objectives of what it is that you're trying to achieve. So how do those things tie to the vision and also how you're going to measure it. So I like the, you know, some sort of results of, of measurement. So metrics or key results or something like that. And then some rough time frames. So I know hopefully that doesn't sound like heresy, but uh, boxing <laughs> it in some way, we're not talking about like, you know, here's the days that we're releasing it or, or even months, but um, I think quarterly is a great way to do it. Um, you can, you know, slice it up in different ways, but you know, here's, the timeframes that we're focused on and then using themes. I'm a big fan of, of themes for roadmaps. So here's the, you know, what we're focused on within, you know, this quarter. So if we're talking about Q1, for example, here's Q1, here's our objective. And here's some of the themes that we're focused on. We're focused on uh, retention and activation or activation and retention. Those are our two big things. And then, you know, we may have some uh, hypotheses that we're, we're testing out with that. And uh, out of those are ultimately going to come some features that we're going to release. We know that like that, the whole point of this is to build something that we can get into the hands of our users that is going to increase our activation and retention. But that's not where we're, we're not putting those features like specifically onto our roadmap. We may, we may eventually as you know, if we get specific enough, but that's more, again, more of like our, our project plan and release plan. I'm even kind of okay with it. Like as we, as you're getting very near to it and, and can kind of put more concrete things into your roadmap, like very near term, and then keeping it much more thematic as you get, mm -hmm. you know, Q2, Q3, Q4, so that you're just giving some idea of, you know, Q2, our objective is um, around, uh, user management and our themes are, are going to be, you know, identity and, uh, uh, you know, whatever else comes with that. And, and those are some of the things we're going to be focused on. And then Q3 is the same thing. And then again, going back to what you said is that having the disclaimer and all of that, that it's subject to change, that we're going to be learning and testing and all of that. And that this isn't set in stone, like we're, we will be adjusting as needed. So we're not promising that we're going to be launching new user management features in Q2. Like if, yep. you know, if there's something that needs to be adjusted, we'll adjust it. But right now, here's what we're focused on. Here's what we're going to be planning on. And, you know, our here's how our roadmap is looking for the next little bit so that people can plan because it's not fair to ask everybody in the business to just, hey, trust us. You know, we're, we're the product team over XYZ product. And, you know, we'll... <laughs> we'll take care of it because lots of people are depending on, on our products and they need to have an idea. You know, there's, there's lots of interdependencies and there's lots of things that other teams need to do, whether that's training or um, client relationship management or, or things like that, that they need to be in the loop on. And so we need to help them understand you know, when they may need to ramp up their training teams or when they may need to be having client conversations or things like that so that they're not caught off guard when those things happen but also help them helping them understand too that it's it's not something that you know we're we're going to be building 
this specific feature in the third week of March. And so you can plan on it the first week of April or something like that. Like that's way too specific. Yeah. This whole process just, again, man, I, I really do think that product managers have to be the best communicator on the team because there are just so many, so many moving pieces. I mean, um, and I've seen it happen too, is that really things just, it can keep changing. Like <laughs> your roadmap can look very different, you know, a week ago compared to tomorrow. Right. <laughs> and it really depends on, Oh, uh, this, this sales requirement comes in and it's super urgent and then it's gonna, you know, deprioritize everything else or whatever it is and things happen. And what you've talked about, like <laughs> just, keeping everyone informed and that communication just seems so, so important in this process. And I think it also helps for other, you know, our, uh, counterparts to go out with the truth of what actually, you know, happened and why this is done this way. So then even though sometimes what they ask for might not be able to fit into the roadmap, this, you know, immediate future that they, they know why, and they can, you know, speak to that in their other environment that they have to go back to communicate, you know, communicate that. I think that's so important too, man. But yeah, yeah I, I really feel like project manager, uh, sorry, product managers are also just people that are planners and they have to keep on planning and the planning just keep, keeps on happening, as, <laughs> as, um, which is, yeah, uh, a lot of work and much respect for all the product managers out there. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I think you're exactly right. I mean, it's it's kind of a perpetual process, which again goes back to I think that love hate relationship of why it's so why it's so difficult and why it's often misused the roadmap or at least uh, misperceived in many ways and just th some of the difficulties that it causes because it's, I think a lot of people want roadmaps to be a lot of different things and they're not meant to be promises or, you know, specific releases as much as we want. I think any product manager would love it if we could say, yes, you know, we'll be releasing, you know, we have a great plan for the next 12 months. We'll be releasing all of the things that everybody wants. And, you know, here's exactly when it will come and you can just, you know, everybody get in line and wait and, you know, here's on, you know, your specific feature is going to come out at, you know, the third week of March and yours is going to be the second week of April. And right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And everybody, I think if it was like that, everybody would probably be pretty happy in some way. Cause you would have a lot of certainty you would, you know, even if yours was down the line a little bit, you, you could at least know that like, yeah, it's there. I know exactly when it's coming and uh, it's, you know, just have to keep everybody updated and in line. And, you know, there's not going to be any changes or any problems with that. But unfortunately, it's just the vast amount of uncertainty that we deal with in not just product development, but in the world in general with the, the amount of changes <laughs> that are constantly happening and the difficulty in estimating and understanding yeah. the complexity of all of the interactions of not just code, which is one level of complexity, but uh, just humans, which is a completely new level of complexity that we introduce. So it's difficult. Yeah. I mean, one example I can think of is that even this year, as you can imagine, like Zoom just blew up, right? And then Google... <laughs> Google Meet, um, what we're using right now became, you know, a big thing this year. And I'm just like thinking behind the scenes, like what happened to the lives of these pro pro product managers in the past? <laughs> like, it's like, are they, are they sleeping? Are they <laughs> eating? You know, and same thing for like telemedicine and health industry, like so many things happened and you being the person, you know, that holds the key of things happening. Like <laughs> it's, it's, you just cannot plan, you know, a year later, we're going to have these features out, right? Yep. Things can change so quickly. But, but again, I think that speaks to the ability to be able to say, oh, okay, we can't go this direction. Okay. What do we do now? And that ability is again, just, I just want everyone to go back and, and, and buy their product manager's lunch or something. Cause <laughs> there's so much that can happen. And, yeah, this is a lot of moving pieces. And within that too, I, I do want to ask, so how how do you handle these 
constant changes or I guess, let's say you planned your roadmap, like let's say yesterday you presented it all to stakeholders. Everyone's happy. Sales is happy. Everyone's happy. And then next week, some changes happen that you foresee will derail, you know, your entire roadmap. Like what's the first thing you do as a, you know, a product manager? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. So <laughs> hopefully it's not happening like super frequently and and I know that that can vary by organization. I think in in good organizations that will happen less frequently, where it's you know uh, more product focused, and so you know those types of surprises aren't being kind of introduced all the time. I think it's kind of a, a mark of somewhat of some dysfunction if like that sort of thing is just happening constantly. Like there's some real underlying dysfunction. But when that does happen, like there are obviously things that happen, COVID-19 hits or yeah, like those types of things or, you know, just massive either opportunities or market changes or things like that that just come in and shift the entire landscape. And it's like, how do we either react to this or, you know, change our plan or or do things? And I think that it's almost almost just like anything, a, you know, kind of a, a taking in of all of the new information and adjusting it based on that as if not necessarily as if you were starting from scratch, but, you know, just an additional data point or an additional set of data points that you add in and basically reconfigure based on all of the new information. And so, you know, those, I, th- I feel like those types of things happen and, whether it's big or small, I feel like you're constantly readjusting and kind of redefining what your roadmap is going to look like based on, you know, client feedback and user feedback and things that you're getting and, you know, stakeholder feedback. So it can be a massive shift that happens and, you know, that could change things a little bit more dramatically than you would otherwise anticipate. But I feel like the principles are still the same. Like you, you don't want to be so tied into um, what you've kind of set out that you're not able to adjust and make changes. Cause I feel like that's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum where you create a plan. And I've I've seen companies do this too, where you kind of go in, um, create a, you know, a 12 month plan and you're like, okay, we've got our plan and we're going to stick to this regardless of what happens. Like this is it, uh, you know, over the next 12 months is we're, how we're going to execute, what we're going to do without much room for adjustment. Obviously that's going to be fine for like the first, you know, maybe one or two or three months. But if you're not able to adjust and make changes, then, you know, the world is going to to pass you by and all of the feedback and things that you should be getting, you're going to miss a lot of changes that you should be making. And so taking that in, whether it's, you know, all of the sudden, day, you know, day two and you need to readjust or it's, you know, day 30, day 40, and you're just constantly kind of making those iterations. It, hopefully it's not something that is uh, like out of, so out of the ordinary that you're like, oh man, we just um, right. need to, uh, to completely redo everything because we had a beautiful plan and now it's nothing like that's probably the, hopefully right. the wrong mindset to go into something with is like, we've, we've spent 90 days coming up with this plan and we expect it to be perfect for the next 360 days. Like <laughs> that's hopefully you don't go into anything thinking that because you're, you're going to end up being very disappointed if that's the case right? in software anyway. <laughs> I am just like having flashbacks. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I can just think of so many occasions where sometimes it's not even like internally the orgs that we work in, but sometimes it can be like, oh, what if our partners does this giant business change and we're just informed of that change, right? Because sometimes it's really just out of your control. You can't go tell the other org and be like, no, don't don't do that (laughs) because we have this pretty shiny roadmap. like. That doesn't happen. And I feel like that is just as traumatic to uh, just comparing to, oh, COVID happened. (laughs) (laughs) Just all these external factors that, because it's either you can do something about it or you cannot. (laughs) And 
um, this is categorized into the part that you just cannot control. <laughs> yep. You you know, so those do happen. And I, I like that you really keep dressing the importance of being flexible and keeping the roadmap for very high level in a way that is a direction, but not feature release plans. So I think that that explains why you bring this up over and over again of how not to plan a roadmap that doesn't last. Um, that, that makes sense. And, and I can only imagine how sad it feels when it does happen, but <laughs> I respect for all product managers that have to deal with that often. I do. Last question that I, I do uh, want to know is what does it look like on the team um, when, when the roadmap is successfully planned and how does like, let's say for me, like project designer and for like engineers, other people that are involved in the product development process, what does that look like when we have a good roadmap? Yeah, I think that it is very much I think it's an empowering thing because it gives everybody on the team the ability to understand what we're working on. So first off, why we're working on it. So the, you know, the vision of what we're trying to achieve and what we're doing specifically over the next little while. And then also what we're not doing. So it gives everybody kind of that alignment of here's what we're going to be focused on and here's what we're not going to be focused on. And so being able to say no to certain mm-hmm. things which is, I think, a really important part of it because not everything is going to be part of you know what we're what we're doing, and so helping everybody understand you know why we're doing it, you know how that's going to be driving value for our product, for our users, for our business, and then what specifically everybody's contribution is going to be, and how as we learn and you know figure things out then how that changes. So everybody gets a real chance to see the impact that it's making and then have, you know, a say in you know what's coming next. I think that's a, for me, that's a really empowering thing, like as a product team to really own, you know, we're not just delivering features that somebody's saying, Hey, you need to be doing this thing. Like it's not an executive saying, Hey, we want, you know, the, we want these buttons on on the product and we want it to do this specific thing and sales coming and saying, Hey, we need it. We need these three things because clients, uh, ABC said so. And it's not just the, you know, the team isn't just taking like orders from all different sides. It's much more about here's what we're trying to achieve. And mm-hmm. we're going to be figuring out how to do that. It's not, you know, be everybody kind of telling us what to do and, and how to do it. And so that's a real empowering thing. And I think everybody feels that and you're, you're driving towards it and then you see the results and then you recalibrate as you go. So if there's changes that need to be made, you're, you're making those changes because you really own not only the product, but the outcome that it's driving. And if, if you don't achieve that outcome, you need to go back and figure out why you didn't and then, you know, retool it so that you can achieve that outcome and having kind of the bandwidth and trust to do those sorts of things. So I think that that's what it looks like and feels like for a really successful team. And that's going a little bit beyond the roadmap, but I think the roadmap mm-hmm. is a tool for that and kind of a demonstration of that from a really empowered product team. That's, okay. I think, one of the big differences. Yeah. In my experience uh, from working with product managers, um, on roadmaps is that first and foremost, it's like no surprises. Like me as part of the team, I shouldn't see something on the roadmap and have no idea Mm -hmm. what it is. Right. And hopefully that applies to, you know, everybody on the team, nobody should see it and be like, wait, what is that? (laughs) And like we have talked about, like it, it helps to bring everyone together and align, you know, what everyone's working on, uh, from a very, you know, high, high bird's eye view. But, um, I think that, that, that is, true that it is empowering because then I know that I am adhering to the greater plan (laughs) when it comes to planning out what, you know, the product design team is doing and how we can make sure we get there. Um, I think that really brings the whole team together. I mean, it's not, not only for the product, but the team together. Like I, I really, really like that point. Um, and now that I think about it, there was 
one instance where I saw something on someone's roadmap that I was like, wait a minute, this definitely involves my team, but why do I have no idea what, what this is? <laughs> well, in, in that case too, it's like a good opportunity for me to have that conversation with that product manager and say, I see that you, you, you know, you, you're doing this thing, like, let's talk about this. <laughs> and, and then if we didn't have that roadmap, I would never know about that part. Yeah. And yeah, that, so in, in, in that case, I am grateful that it is a visible and tangible thing that we can use. Um, and, and like we've talked about is a very, I guess, essential tool to the entire process of developing your product. And I, I really do like how you talk about how to approach the roadmap and what it is and what it is not. And man, I, I really do feel like this is probably one of the best episodes. Can I say that out loud <laughs> <laughs> on record? <laughs> and yeah, I, I do think that this is one of the most essential tools that product managers, you know, can use to make sure we are building the right things. Right. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And I think that having it and using it correctly is important, not just for a product team, but for an entire organization. So when you're doing it right, you'll see just the, the benefits of it. And then if you're not, it makes it just so much more difficult for basically for everybody. So getting there, I think getting there can be difficult and it's lots of often lots of fits and starts and, you know, you have to kind of tailor it for, you know, specific organizations and, and how everybody works. You know, it's not, there's certainly not one size fits all, especially given how, uh, if, you know, if nobody has uh, used product roadmaps before, which has been the case in, in a number of places that I've seen, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a process for getting there. And so, um, you know, just expect that. I think places that, you know, have, have been using them for a while and, you know, are comfortable, you know, making sure that you get them to the point where it's not necessarily Gantt chart release plan style roadmap is the next step if you're kind of doing that. But, you know, I, I think that regardless, the principles are kind of the same, whether you're starting from scratch or kind of moving along the continuum. Beautiful. Anything else that people should know about, uh, how to build a roadmap or... Anything else to watch for? I think that's it. There's lots of good articles and we'll link some in the show notes um, that uh, lots of folks have written that I've leveraged uh, that I've also written myself entitled Product Roadmaps Love, Hate and Hate. So I'll link that one as well. (laughs) (laughs) A title. (laughs) Great, great title. Yeah. It's awesome. Sweet. I really do love this episode because I think it is again, so important and so many, I just love that every time, again, we just always go back to communication is key (laughs) and, and keeping everyone informed. And I do think that like roadmaps is definitely the thing that you must (laughs) keep everyone informed with what's going on and when you make changes and stuff. And again, respect for all product managers out there that have to constantly (laughs) make changes and keep on planning. So yeah. And on that note, we now go into our, what is that? Hangout corner? Hangout zone? I can't remember the, what we call it. Yeah, the, the <laughs> shout out and gripe zone. Oh. oh, are we officially adding gripes in there? Uh, I think, it, I don't know if it's official or not, but it's all, it's been part of it. It's so. so on paper. Yeah. <laughs> it is very much printed in poster size on the wall. Yeah. Hangout and gripe zone. Um, oh, speaking of which, do not print your roadmap on poster size. And post <laughs> replaced in two weeks. Yeah. Anyways, and should I go first? I have yeah, one that I'm it. very excited about. This is a Chrome plugin that I've been using for many, many years. I actually don't remember when it came out or when I started using it, but it's called the Black Menu for Google. If you use Chrome, 100% get it, especially if you have Gmail, which I am guessing a lot of you do, um, or if you use Google Docs. Google Sheet, Google Maps, Google anything, get this plugin. Um, it is from an ind- independent developer. I cannot pronounce his name because he is... All, uh, why does everybody have um, 
names that I cannot pronounce. <laughs> I need to learn. I need to take a class and just like, is there a class that teach people how to pronounce names or just, I, I know they teach how to pronounce things from, what is that called? Fanat, fanatic pronunciation uh, class. Yeah, phonetics. Mm. But anyways, um, I'm looking at the developer's page, but the page doesn't even say his name, but I, I've, I've looked it up before and it's very hard to pronounce. Anyways, black menu for Google. What it does is that it is a little tab after you click on the logo of a plugin in Chrome, it pulls down this pop-up and you type in the file that you're searching in sheet. And then, or you type in the name of the email that you're looking for and it pulls it right up in that, in that window. Um, sorry, it's not a window. <laughs> I, I don't know why I called it a pop-up. Um, it's just like a panel that overlays on your, on your Chrome window and it is super duper convenient. It is probably one of the best plugins, if not the best that I have used. Um, cause it never really breaks. I've never encountered any outage and it's just super easy to use. Nice. Do, do you know about it, Kyle? I don't, but I'm looking at it right now. So try it cool. out. It is so convenient. Oh, the best part is that if you have your personal Gmail and your work Gmail account or drive and everything on your laptop. Like if you need quick access to dig up something from your personal drive or something from your work drive, it takes 0.125 seconds to switch between your accounts. Um, it is scientifically proven with that timer. Anyways, it wow. is a great plugin. Nice. Plugin. So the end. Very and cool. What is your shout out? Uh, so we'll give a shout out to when we were talking a, a little bit about this before our episode started, uh, bounce houses, <laughs> which <laughs> yes. were, uh, which have been a, a really big part of our, uh, like our spring and summer. We like, we got when all of our vacation plans were canceled, we, Oh, really? Why? <laughs> uh, we ended up getting a bounce house for our kids. And it's been actually like right before we started recording, I went out and set it up. And so our kids are outside playing on it. I think they've been running in and out. So you may have heard them for a second earlier, but yeah, they have been playing on it pretty hard because with the weather cooling down again, they're able to kind of play during the day, which has been fun. But yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and they, they are doing some really cool stuff with bounce houses as far as like <laughs> in between ones that are like the super expensive industrial ones that you would go to like a bounce park or a carnival, but also not like the cheap flimsy ones that you can't have like too many people on or anything like that. So like in between still can hold adults and kids, but not like super heavy, super expensive. So it's pretty cool stuff. I also imagine fans. that the bounce houses that you see in carnivals and the ones that you can rent out are like purchases made in like the nineties and they just keep <laughs> over. That's kind of what I imagine. And I almost can see in my head, the one you have is the Tesla of bounce house, bounce houses type. Yeah. I don't know if I call it the Tesla, like in price point, <laughs> but like in... <laughs> It's definitely like high quality, lightweight and durable, but not like super expensive. So anyway, it's that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Kids have loved it. It's definitely been nice, especially given the fact that we have been homebound over, you know, obviously the last little while. So it's made things more fun. And that was kind of our that was our spring break vacation, which progressively got more and more canceled. We had planned a family vacation. And then as things were happening, we realized that that, that traveling probably wasn't a good idea. This was like before travel restrictions, before, before anybody like realized what was like the full extent. And we're like, maybe, maybe we shouldn't travel anywhere. And then as things just started to pick up speed earlier this year, you know, we started to plan a staycation and then staycation just totally went out the window. We're like, no, everything's closing. Nothing's going to happen. So we should yeah. plan a staycation in our backyard. And that's exactly what happened. 
I really would love to see that bounce house. If you don't mind texting me a photo yeah, of it. I'll text you a photo. I, I feel like out of all the things that you have brought up in previous episodes, <laughs> like the, what is that? The tree grinder? What is that that you brought up? The tree, the tree thing. Yeah. The, oh no, I, I forgot the name of it, oh, but. Um, hydraulic tree. Yep. The uh, hiding thing. Yep. Uh, the, yeah, the, the tree mill. I'll have to. Tree mill, that's right. The tree, Yeah. The log okay, milling machine. Yep. Cool. The, yeah. That one I can Google and I don't really care about that one as much as the bounce house. Like, <laughs> I'm like, maybe I'll get one of those for my future kids. Like who knows? This is one of those things that I just never thought of buying, but then it's like, Oh yeah. What are you going to do with your kids at home? This is very helpful. And I'm sure, um, all 20,000 of our listeners, you know, want to, uh, want, want, I, I don't know. Can you link us? Is that from Amazon or? <laughs> it was from Amazon. I, I think I'll have to see. I know that they were selling out rapidly, like when we bought it, because it was like right as the, oh, as the pandemic was happening. And so, yeah, like we had to hop on that one pretty fast. Um, they might be back in stock though. I don't know. I'll have to take a look. We haven't looked in a long time, obviously, because. Um, <laughs> you have your, your own bounce house. So you don't care. Yeah. We, we have, we have the bounce house now, so (laughs) maybe we'll add more bounce houses in the future. We'll see. We'll be, we'll have a whole bouncy park in our backyard. (laughs) Just say that that's your other, what is that called? People have timeshare (laughs) your vacation home. You can call that bounce house, your vacation home and just leave your day there and go sleep in your actual house. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, with the weather cooling down, it's, it's perfect time for it. Yeah. So the bounce house. That's awesome. Yeah. The perk of being a homeowner. That's yeah. another layer to it. Yep. Ah, that's so awesome. I hope one day Kobe and I were looking and we stopped and then now the housing market is just weird. So anyways, hopefully we'll get a house soon and we might be buying some bounce, bouncy house. There you go. Who knows? First purchase. <laughs> oh, Sorry to take a sharp, sharp left, but I do have a gripe that I have to share. Yeah. This is very personal. <laughs> <laughs> as as we're all stuck at home and I, I, I don't know why I'm buying shoes, but I'm buying shoes. Um, since, I mean, I, I need some new shoes to commute from my bedroom to my desk in the living room <laughs> for work. So I, I just noticed this thing and it's a very, fairly common thing. I've seen it more than once. Every time when it happens, when it's in my face, I'm like, why is this happening? <laughs> so I'm sure you all relate. So when you go online shopping, doesn't matter what it is, clothing, shoes, or whatever, anything that you have to choose sizes. I cannot understand why it is designed in a way that let's say if I wear, let's, let's use shoes as an example. So let's say if you're in between six or seven or whatever shoe size you are, um, I can do six, I can do seven. So I will choose both of these filter options in, in the filter drop down. right? The thing that bugs me so much is that when I hit six, the page already is loading the filter, taking in that, that input and generating all sixes, right? But in fact, I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. I want to put in one more filter, don't. And then it's already, you know, the filter is already closed and ready to show you all the size six, right? And it is so annoying. (laughs) And, you know, I do want to confidently say that most people have more than one size that they put in, in the filter or more than one option that they put in. Um, I I don't know. Do you do that? Can I say that? Um, Filter on more than one size shoe. Um, Or like even shirt and like stuff, you know. Is it just me? I thought a lot of people do this. <laughs> shoes, probably not as much, but yes, definitely on, I would on shirts. Yes. So I would, I would filter probably on like two sizes of shirts. Yeah. Especially like on clearance or sales pages, you know how oh, they just yeah, dump for sure. all shoes, all shirt, yep. everything in there. And when I choose like size this, size that, size whatever. And every time I have to go through one page load and then the second option loads again, third option, it loads again. And (sighs) why, why do you have to do this? I just choose everything and then submit all the changes. And then apply. Yep. Yep. And that is my gripe. (laughs) 
very personal and tweet at me if you feel the same way. I know I'm not alone. There's no way I'm alone in this, especially all the sales and clearance lovers. I know you have the same pain. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense on sales and clearance for sure. I've definitely searched yeah. like multiple sizes on that. And especially if there's like half sizes for sure. Yep. 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 Yeah. Cause it's just a whole bucket of sizes Yeah, and they're, 30 plus options. Yep. Anyways, so that's my gripe. And I mean, I do appreciate that what I run into these things in the wild and I know, oh, let's not do this. <laughs> work on that product. So, yep. so yeah, that is it. Okay. Do you have any gripe? No, I don't think so. I feel like Kyle is like all love, no hate. And then <laughs> I'm always like, let's talk about what's bad. Just kidding. I, I bring some love too, but sometimes... I have a little gripes. Yeah. I'll have to come up. I'll, I'll come up with something for, <laughs> for our next one. Sweet. And this is it. Cool. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find out more about us and our podcast on our website at productbydesign.co. You can also follow us on Twitter at prodbydesign. That's at prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Larry Evans. And you can also find Eva on Twitter at Yan Chow Chow. See you next time.